Hello and welcome to a live kerfuffy break on Deprogram. This is a new channel. If it's your first time here, please hit like and subscribe, or you can just hit subscribe and maybe you hit unlike. Uh, I just want to tell you guys who've been waiting in the chat, there's a there's just a daily siren that happens in my new town every day at noon Texas time. And so we're probably going to start every day a couple minutes late, just so you don't have to hear that siren. Maybe one day we'll start on time so you can hear what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, but uh, today is Monday, May 9th. Welcome everybody in the chat. And uh, I'm not going to keep my guest host waiting. I am here today with Jack Buckby. Hello, Jack. Hello. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm good. I For anyone who doesn't know, I just want to tell them uh, we met, I got to interview you on this channel uh, about your whole story about being in the white nationalist right in when you were younger, um, leaving that ideology, leaving that cult of belief and what that was like for you. And that interview is on this channel. If anybody's interested, it, it was one of the most interesting interviews I've done because I've talked to a lot of people who've left my cult, the social justice left, but you're the only person that I've interviewed who's who's left an extremist belief system on the right. Yeah, and a lot of the people that do that, and as we talked about in the interview, a lot of people that do that typically um, become super radically left-wing. That, that's the normal course of action, is they go from being super right-wing to super left-wing, because that's the only way that they can be redeemed as, like, uh, you know, deprogrammed. And mm. they don't consider being just a conservative or even somewhat centrist as being de-radicalized. They think as, as long as you're still like on the right or not far left, you're, you're still a Nazi to them. So yeah, there's not many people. Well, there are many people like me, but there's not many people like me publicly. Yeah. You're breaking up just a little bit for me. I'm wondering if, I'm wondering if you're breaking up for, can the chat tell me or is it me? I, I really hope it's not my fault. Um, my, my internet can be a little bit spotty. It might be me. Okay. Can you try leaving the the streamyard and coming back? Actually, oh, they said he's steady. It's not you. It's me. That's okay. me. Yeah, because yeah. I can see it very clear on my on my screen. Okay. Well, then I'm just gonna. It's on my end. They said everything's steady, so we're gonna continue. Um, I wanted to say because because of that, uh, because of your experience, everything you've been through. Now, for anyone who doesn't know, you are a, a, a counter extremism advocate. Is how you describe it, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I've done some, uh, I, I did a research paper a couple of years ago. I've, I, most of, a lot of my writing is on extremism now. I was working with a think tank for a while. Um, yeah, I do, I do a lot of stuff. And I, I, I also speak to young people behind the scenes who are sort of trying to leave the extreme right. It's, uh, you know, my, I, my book that I did, you know, not a giant bestseller. I'm not Don Jr. I can't go out and sell a million books. But the, the feedback that I get, the, the people that read it, a lot of them are young people who got trapped in the same sort of circles I did. And some of them left because of it. So, you know, if, if I helped at least one, two, three people, then it was all worthwhile. Um, you know, I, I, I genuinely care about young people who get trapped in these sort of belief systems and these communities because they, they go in sometimes with good intentions, but not really realizing what's going on. And it destroys their life. And I think it's so important that we think more about Sure, there's the victims of extremism, but the, the people who commit it too, when they get wrapped up in this, you know, they're not young forever. They're not young and naive forever. They've got a whole life ahead of them and they're victims too. Yeah. 
Where can people find you? We're going to put this, I know uh, Pirate's putting in the chat, but if they want to find out more about your books or about you, where can they go? Well, they can go on my website that Google doesn't seem to think that you should know about because if you search my name on Google now, I think it takes like five pages to get to my website and it used to be right at the top. I don't know what's going on there, uh, but it's jackbuckby.co.uk. Cool. Thank you. So I'm here to talk to you about something different. (laughs) I just want to talk about, usually on Mondays, we talk about what's in the news, what's on our mind. And uh, Friday show, I had um, Actual Justice Warrior and Nina Infinity, and we didn't even get to our second topic, which I still want to talk about. I uh, have been following the Amber Heard and Johnny Depp trial, not super closely, but enough that I've seen um, some of the video testimony. And I know you haven't been following it, right? So I've seen bits and I keep seeing memes. Like the last thing I saw was her sitting there and going, and then my dog stepped on a bee. And I have no idea what it was. I don't, I don't know if it's real or what, but it was the worst acting I've ever seen. Oh, no. I didn't see that, so I can't answer that. But uh, <laughs> uh, she is, in my opinion, now I know there will be people who disagree with me, but in my opinion, she's a disordered personality type. And it's, it's very obvious to me, anyway, that she's the aggressor, the abuser in that relationship. And it doesn't mean that Johnny Depp handled everything right in the best way you don't it, when you're in a relationship like that it's it's how do you navigate it so i'm sure he made mistakes but in terms of who is the abuser and the abuse dynamic she comes off to me as the abuser and the liar and mm. um in the trial they brought in a, a, a psychiatrist who diagnosed her as having borderline personality disorder i actually think her some of the stuff that you can see on the stand anyway it reminds me more of um narcissism and and um and i think she's a sociopath yeah but but it doesn't matter all of those all those personality disorders are called cluster b there's four of them they're all related and i think sometimes people show traits from multiple ones and so it doesn't really matter i just think she's disordered personality and the reason why i want to talk about it is some people have said you know, this is a big distraction from important things. It is. It is a distraction. I fully admit that. But mm. it's also instructive because we've all met these personality types. Uh, I think there's more of them than we realize. And they often get into positions of power. They often yeah. become politicians. And and even when they don't do that, like we've all interacted with this kind of disordered person in our everyday lives, I believe. And so I wanted to show some of the testimony because I wanted to show some of the tells, I think, things that are tells to look for. So if you're okay with it, I'm going to show you a clip. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Pirate, can you pull that first one up? So this is her on the stand. Now, um, Johnny Depp testified to, and there's evidence of, there's recordings where she was recording some of their fights. And in the recordings, she's admitting to physically assaulting him. Okay. And there's nothing in there about him assaulting her. Um, He ended up, there's photos of him. There's evidence of him. He had to go to the ER because she threw a bottle at him and it shattered and it sliced his finger off. Right. And so he testified first and he gave, I think some very um, moving or startling testimony, but he didn't overact. And he, I, I know he's a great actor and maybe people would think, well, he's acting in his testimony, but it struck me as true and the way he talked about it. And then it was her turn. And a couple things people have pointed out. She has been copying what he's wearing. 
So after he wears something, she wears something very similar the next day. Joking. I'm not kidding. At Pirate, maybe at, while this is playing or I can, while it's playing, I can go find a side-by-side -side comparison of some of the outfits. It's super creepy, but it also makes sense to me. It's that kind of, um, um, a lot of times these people, they're mimicking. They yes, they copy. They copy your words. They copy when they're trying to portray being a victim, they're going to listen to you talking about how you were victimized by them. And they're literally going to take the words you're using to describe the abuse you've suffered from them and they're going to turn it around and say they've been abused by you and use some of the same words it's like not only do they violate you but then they take your story <laughs> i recognize like... this in so many people that you know the, the things that have happened to me and my wife over the years since 2016 have been ridiculous i mean you know some of the stories yeah i recognize this in so many people most of whom were radical left-wingers um, I, I recognize this in them so much that the mimicking, the as you, the taking your story, like yeah, it's scary stuff. It's scary. It, they take your very words and they try to adopt mannerisms. A lot of them, I feel like they are very good um, students of of people, and they and they try a lot of okay. A lot of them will, uh, some of them won't fake tears, but but others will try and fake emotions. And I think that's one of the places where you can catch them and notice the red flags. And so. That's why we're going to start with this one because she's trying to now deliver her version, you know, to counter Johnny's um, testimony. She's now delivering her emotional story of how she was the abuse victim. So this is just one of several times where she broke down in tears or something sort of like tears. I, um, more than anything, I was heartbroken. I thought maybe he was serious. I thought maybe God, he doesn't love me. Maybe this, maybe he really feels these this way. Broke my heart. Broke my heart. I wanted to marry him so bad. I wanted. This is the man I loved. You know. Yes, it was awful at times, but I loved him. And what he Objection, was saying. Objection, your honor. Non-responsive. Overruled. What he was saying to me hurt. Just as bad as anything else. I just remember that he left me on the on the closet floor. And is it embarrassing or as embarrassing as it is to say, I, I went up to him at some point, I don't know how much time had passed. He was um, sitting at the piano in the living room of the hotel room that we had. I know it may be hard to understand. It's hard for me to hear myself say, but I felt, I just wanted it to stop. I wanted things to just be okay. And I just sat next to him on the piano and I just leaned my head on his shoulder. And I was, of course I was mad. Of course I was mad and felt horrible what he'd done. I, but on the other hand, I just wanted us to be okay. I could just put this other, I could put the physical stuff in a box and I just kept going back on how much I love this person. So just, 
when they fought and went to the premiere with him and walked the red carpet with him. And I remember in the car checking my phone obsessively for pictures because my back was, my dress was backlit. Of all times to have a backlit dress. Okay, you can stop there. I've seen enough. <laughs> have you ever known a woman so incapable of crying? Uh, yes. I, my, my wife is very empathic and I'm used to ve like having very emotional women in my life. And I, I don't think she produced a single tear. No, not in this one. Now she ended up, she did produce tears. And, uh, but the, the thing, and, and I think she works up to it here eventually. But one of the things that stands out to me, uh, well, two things before I forget it. When they, when they cut to Johnny, he doesn't look at her at all ever during her testimony. And that to me is very real. That's I, if I were in a room with one of the people who stalked me, I could not look at, I, I don't Same. want to think about them. I don't want to, I, I it would be, it would make me sick. <laughs> and so the idea yeah. of being in the same room and you know we've had uh, we've had stalkers who were you know threatening to send um private investigators to find us sending hundreds of emails per day with photographs of my wife being mutilated and murdered um videos being shared online waving knives and guns and, and calling us out thanking people certain people online who did videos about us saying thank you for these videos of exposing them and then like threatening to kill us all this crazy stuff and you know we thought like we've had police involved and stuff and we've had so many issues and we thought sh are we stupid for not like taking action against some of these people who do this stuff and going to court and uh, and just the idea of being in the same room as these people like sometimes the trauma is so much that you just want to let it go yes yes exactly and you don't know you're like i should fight back but also having to have that having to have be plugged into them which they want anyway and even no matter how you're plugged into them they want you plugged into them right and and it just for me it's very it's this is truth real realistic that he would not be looking at her for a reason and also because it's got to be infuriating to sit there and hear your abuser lie and invert the story right. in front of everyone like like to make you want to vomit right like i could not look and and then on the on the flip side if you watched her during his testimony she just stared she took notes. She was very plugged into everything he was saying. I think she was taking notes in part because she was thinking about how she was going to, you know, spin this in her way and what parts she was going to borrow. Um, I mean, when you lie, you you have to take notes. You have to remember yeah. what you, you know, when, when you're lying, they always say that lie simply um, because mm -hmm. the more complex your lies get, the harder it is to, uh, to keep up with it. So, of course, she's taking notes. I mean, if it is the case that she's the one that's lying and she's the abuser. And it seems to me that she is, then of course she's going to have to do this. Like yes. she doesn't remember everything she says. Cause all she, all she has to do is trip up on one thing and it, the whole thing collapses. Yes. Yes. Um, uh, let me just share this. Cause this will make you laugh. Twee girl says, I cry when people win on the prices, right? <laughs> <laughs> you and me girl. <laughs> Do you know the only time I truly get like emotional and, and genuinely like I'm pretty I'm pretty like I don't know maybe I'm on the spectrum or something but the only time I truly get really emotional is when I see like an upsetting video about a dog. Oh yeah, dogs, that'll do it. Dogs just break my heart. I love them so much. That's that's some of the few times I've seen my dad cry is 
having to do with the dog or yeah. Uh, I think men are just in general, less uh, emotional on the surface in terms of tears as a form of catharsis. But right. you know, I like, I've seen my husband cry, but it's a lot more rare than me. I mean, I cried two nights ago. We were watching a documentary about um, Randy Rhodes, the guitarist who died in a plane crash. And it was like, I don't, I don't have a connection to Randy Rhodes. I don't, I'm not a musician like him. I don't have that, but still it was, they were, the Ozzy Osbourne was giving a tribute and it was like, ah, oh, okay. <laughs> Chokes you up, you know? Um, so, so I just sent you some pictures, Tomsky. We can put these on the screen in a second, but the other thing I wanted to point out. So here's some of the, uh, well, yeah, let's wait a second. The other thing I wanted to point out about her testimony. Well, as someone who hasn't watched a lot of it, does it strike mm -hmm. you as acting or as real? It, it strikes me as acting because like, why is she doing like this so much? Like, like she's trying to like force that yes. she's crying. Like you only yes. do that when there's tears coming out of your eyes. So what's that about? Yes. Um, I, I've, I've followed enough of the story because I, I, I remember when it first came out and everyone thought Johnny was the abuser and then the more details came out and I've seen the, you know, the videos of her sneaking that other actor um, in the the lift in the elevator to Johnny's apartment and so on and like I, I won't go into the details but I, I've had a relationship with someone who literally BPD and I, I recognize um, a lot of this behavior in that mm -hmm. in the relationship I, I, I've seen it with my own eyes like so the moment I saw some of the things she's done and some of the evidence that came out I'm like I know that behavior and yes. I, 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 I recognize her as the abuser is what it seems to me yeah my gut is just knowing some of those red flags and just watching it it's like she is working up and trying to cry she is um altering her voice to make it sound like she's choked up but there's right. no there's no tears yet it's it's like trying to mimic uh nonverbal or some verbal cues to trigger in you an emotional response to her cuz empathetic people or people cry easily when other people are upset it will trigger that in you. And without you even realizing it, it's sort of like you, you're kind of believing her now because you're crying when she's crying, but she's not crying. She's, yeah. she's like, eh, like this. And, and it's a lot of the voice manipulation, the swallowing, all that stuff that makes you think that she, there's tears there, but she's building up like, like an actor. Yeah. And eventually she does get to that place of crying, but it's even when she cries, um, she's not trying to hold the tears back. People don't like crying in front of others. It's right. embarrassing. Yeah. Usually when you see someone be uh, overcome by emotion, it happens fast. Yep. Their, face, their face is flushed. They're trying to stop themselves from crying. Do you know a good example of this is Carl uh, Rittenhouse when he had his PTSD breakdown. You're absolutely right. I have that video queued up. We're going to watch that ah. one because I want to compare a couple of these. So I think she's totally faking. Um and I think she's a bad actress and they, she should have hired Jodie Foster to play her role in the testimony. <laughs> yeah, I don't know anything about what I, I, I've never seen most movies. I'm one of those people where people say, have you seen this film? And I say no. And they go, what? You haven't seen that? I get that constantly because I don't watch films. But um, what I'm curious about is, is she a better actor in the movies? I don't if think so. <laughs> can't even play herself. Like, if you can't play yourself, then what is she doing? Okay, well, there's one clip. We're not going to show it. I'll just tell tell you about it because we'll have to go find it. I don't, I don't want to get distracted. But there's one clip from the testimony where she's got a tissue and she puts it and then she snorts something. I saw that. And what do you, you think? I, so I, I mentioned it to Martina, uh, my wife, and um, 
she was like, "Oh, come on, Jack! Like you must have like maybe she's just picking a bogey with like and trying to be sly about it." And like maybe, 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 I, maybe. I don't, I don't know. But then I saw this video where she's got this water bottle, and as soon as the the police officer comes by, she immediately like just fumbles and puts it in her pocket. But then I'm thinking, well, what could be in the water bottle? Was she hiding? So I don't know. Like I think it's very easy. Listen, the there's a lot of people that have said a lot of things about like me or Martina over the years and they were backing it up and saying, well, the logic dictates that this must mean this and blah, blah, blah. And it's very easy to say things when you're right. far away and distant and you put two and two together and you try and create like a elaborate argument and it m makes sense to you. But if you're closer to them and like you really know what's going on, like it's not always the case. So it's very easy for us to sit back and go, oh, that looks like she's snorting coke. It does. It does look like that. But I actually maybe don't. she had a bogey. Like, you yeah, know? <laughs> I agree with you. There's no way to know. She could be trying to, like, stop her nose from running. However, right. if she was snorting something, I kind of agree with uh, my friend Nina. I don't think it was Coke. I think there are things that you can sniff that make you cry, like different peppers. And Interesting. Stuff. Like, yeah. So, and actors have some. It's how, If she was sniffing anything, if she was right i think it, i think it was something to help produce tears right my I personal 100 spe would... speculation <laughs> i mean imagine getting into a courtroom with cocaine i'm no probably they have dogs or don't they have like at least in england they have the the machines that you have to go through and they scan everything that's in your bag and they empty your pockets and all that so i don't know i don't know yeah i don't i don't, I don't think it's drugs but well so so pirate before we move on to the next video uh i did want to show you this so look at what he's wearing and then look at what she's wearing the very next day. Oh, wow. And then the, scroll down. <laughs> Even the same little pin on the tie. What the hell? Yeah. And then scroll down. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. The day after, each day, something very similar that she's wearing. Four this is like Meghan Markle dressing up as Diana. Yeah. Have you seen that, by the way? I have. That's yeah. that's crazy. Like, uh, I, I didn't know about this. I was showed it. And it, some of the outfits are just exactly the same. She insists she never knew anything about the royals when she met Harry. But there's all this information about how she was obsessed with Diana as a child. So she was completely lying about it. I think she wanted to be the next Diana. I've got a lot oh, to say about Meghan Markle. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's funny you mentioned her because she's another one who I think is a full-blown narcissist, sociopath, just my opinion. I mean, like, all you the know, tells. <laughs> all the tells are there. And, you know, I get, I, I, I'm a royalist and I mean, I've literally got the queen right here. But um, with Markle, she wanted the best of both worlds because, yeah, she's a narcissist. When you become a royal, it's not just a life of luxury. And in fact, oftentimes it's not a life of luxury. It's luxury in the sense that you live in a big house and you get like fancy meals. But the work that comes with it is quite a lot. The exposure that comes with it is so much that most people would crack. You know, that's why I admire the queen for being on the throne for 70 years. Like it's incredible. Wow. And Markle came along thinking, well, I can be the next Diana. I can find an exciting new role within the royal family, as she put it. And she wanted to be political and royal. You can't do both. It's one or the other. If you're going to be royal, you can't talk politics. That's how it works. She wanted both. And that's 
narcissism. That's her yeah. thinking she can change an institution that is God knows how long, that is fundamentally um, important to British society and actually to about a third of the world's population because a third of the world's population is still in the British Commonwealth um, under the Queen. Um, that's real narcissism. And the moment I saw those pictures of her dressed like Diana, I'm like, I knew it. Mm -hmm. I knew it. Yeah. And it, she reminds me of her. Yeah, it's purposeful. Uh, it's to trigger that in you, that Pavlovian response of, oh, she reminds me. It's why politicians get vocal coaching to sound like popular politicians they want you to think of. The, the, Beto, for example, I don't have any proof, but I swear he's taken vocal lessons to, to um, enunciate and to deliver his speech with the same cadence as Obama. Like they, they, Interesting. yeah, they, they, it's a psychological thing that kind of pulls you in and people who would love Obama will be reminded of him in the way you speak. I can see without, that because you know? I get, you're right. I get like, I couldn't put my finger on it, but I get Obama vibes from him. That's yeah. really interesting. And, you know, Maggie Thatcher did it too, although it's a slightly different dynamic because Margaret Thatcher, she, um, you know, first female British um, prime minister, she had a uh, voice coaching to make her voice deeper. And so when you hear Thatcher, she's got a very deep voice, you know, um, and it was to make people think of her as more um, masculine and authoritative because nobody wanted to hear her screeching in parliament yeah. you know because you know when women get angry or upset the voice gets higher whereas yeah. with a man it tends to get lower so they taught her to keep it low and it worked and you know she was being seen you know whether they liked her or not she was seen as a very authoritative strong woman you, you, know? you i did not know that about margaret thatcher but i just finished watching a docuseries and a documentary about elizabeth holmes from theranos who pulled off this huge fraud and and you know multiple millions of dollars and and she lowered her voice. Yeah. You can find old interviews with her speaking in her normal tone of voice and then and then she became this famous CEO and was like this all of a sudden, you know. There's <laughs> like, a video where she flips up too. Yes. Talking and she goes like that. And then she goes like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, what we're doing here at Theranos is <laughs> we're going to be taking a drop of blood. <laughs> and also, she was mimicking Steve Jobs. She was wearing yes. the turtleneck. You're right. The way of he dressed. Gosh. Creepy, creepy. These people are creepy. You know, I never thought about Cluster B. I've been, I've had a Cluster B uh, person or, or people in my life over the years. I never really thought about it. And it was only what, from watching Josh's podcast, Disaffected, mm -hmm. I, I learned what it was. And then, I, you know, I met you and I've seen all these people on my Twitter now talking about Cluster B. And it's like, holy hell, this is everywhere. Like, I, I think I, I've encountered, I, I can't name the amount of people that I've encountered in recent years who've done insane things. And the Cluster B, it's Cluster yeah. B. What is happening? I don't know. Um, but it's made me think a lot about how much of the sort of, the division we're seeing now in politics is like, I don't know if it originates from these psychological issues or whether the psychological issues are symptomatic of what's going on. I don't know, but there's something something going on. I think it's both. It feeds into itself because, because culturally what's happened is that a lot of the things that you get uh, virtue points now for or that you get lauded for happen to be cluster B um, attributes so victim constant victimhood yeah. you know histrionics um uh, uh pointing fingers at others like all of those things are cluster b traits not high degree of narcissism all of those things and so i think it's both making 
uh, people who already had cluster B have, have gotten a lot worse, probably. But it, uh, just like just like hypochondriacs and people with anxiety disorders and stuff during the lockdowns, I know a lot of those people who their conditions got worse. Mm. Um, and so I think it's sort of similar where you cluster B people um, woke ideology has basically told them that mental mental illness or any mental health issues are a part of their identity, and it means that they are. Uh, marginalized, and therefore they have more power within the belief system. Right, and and so it they double down on it. They make it part of who they are. I mean, I saw videos yesterday of um, all these people on on TikTok, and they're talking about Roe v. Wade, and they're appearing on camera. There's one woman who goes like crazy, but the, and that's that's just a childish in my mind. I don't think there's much more to it than that. But then there's other ones who appear and they go, girls. Just know that I'm with you and all this stuff. And it's like, you're feigning emotion right now because surely they know that Roe v. Wade uh, being overturned doesn't mean that abortion is going to be made illegal, uh, like everywhere. Um, it's it's not what they think it means. And the amount of pats on the back they get, you know, they do this video on TikTok saying, I'm with you girls. Um, I'm so sorry that you can't kill a nine-month-old child that's about to, you know, like some of these laws yeah. that they're doing, it's literally nine-month-old like ch children who are about to be born oh, and that they were going to allow that to be aborted. And they're feigning this emotion and they're getting pats on the back in the form of likes and every like is a dopamine hit. And it's it's such a big sort of um, uh, ego feeder to appear on, on TikTok pretending to be sad and talking to your fellow girls you know, th these people have problems and it's similar to what I've um, we talked about in the interview as well is it's it's not just feeding the ego. It's not just knowing that people are watching you thinking that's such a good person. Look at her crying over this issue. Look at her crying over what's mm -hmm. happening to other women. It's not just that. It's a need to be part of a community. And I think there's a lot of reasons why people want to do that. Maybe it's like the uh, maybe it's the decline of religion. Maybe it's uh, just the decline of general community. Um, people don't know their neighbors anymore. Like, I, I feel like we're in a very isolated world. The more yeah. connected we've got, the more isolated we've actually got. And so we have these people who are desperate for community. They'll go online, feign emotion, get pats on the back and feel like they're part of a club. That's how you join extremist communities. It's how it's worked in the far right. It's how it's working in the far left as well. Yeah, I agree. Hey, I'm going to just uh, give you a heads up that I got a little warning here that says, my USB is using too much power or something. If I go out on the stream, don't be worried. Pirate will come on with you until I reboot. Okay. <laughs> Pirate, just be aware. I suddenly, I was like, oh, what's that little warning over there? Okay. What you got plugged it. in? The microphone? Yeah. I've got my same setup I always do. So I'm just going to ignore that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Pirate says, will way. I? Ha ha. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. So I... I wanted to show one other. So I, I think she's, I think it's instructive to watch her because I think she's, she's a good illustration of one of these disordered personality types in society. And I think she's faking and you it's obvious if you, if you look closely at, at the way she's trying to manufacture tears instead of hold tears back, there's another one that we saw recently in public doing this. And that's Jesse Smollett. If you can pull that one up pirate, um, we've queued it up right to the part sweatshirt it had marks on it like spots on it when you have a bad bleach job so then i was like there's bleach on me too so when the police came um i kept the clothes on 
I kept the rope. So you had the rope on the entire time? I mean, it wasn't like wrapped around, but yeah, it was around because I wanted them to see. I wanted them to see what this was. I told them what happened, everything. No, no, actually, Pirate, skip ahead to 5.15. Sorry. Five minutes, 15 seconds. Skip back to 5.15. Oh, oh, maybe I gave you the wrong time. It's at the end. Sorry. Go all the way sort of to the end. There we go. A little further. A little further to the end. Got the letter. Absolutely. Um, just because on the letter, it had a stick figure hanging from a tree with a gun pointing towards it, with the words that said Smollett. It does not take anything away from people that are not able to do that. This is good. I fought back. They ran off. I didn't. What do you say to a young gay man, a young gay person? To learn to fight. And I don't just mean like learn to fight. I mean, learn to fight. Learn to be a fighter. I am not advocating violence at all. So let's be clear about that. If you're gonna die, fight until you do. Because if you don't fight, you have no chance. I have fought for love. I'm an advocate. I respect too much the people who I am now one of those people who have been attacked in any way. You do such a disservice when you lie about things like this. If the attackers are never found, how will you be able to heal? Um, Here we go. Let's just hope that they are. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's... Better actor. Let's... Um, <laughs> I was talking to a friend, and I said, I just want them to find them. And she said, sweetie, they're not going to find them. That just made me so angry because so I'm just going to be left here with this. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just going to be left here with, with like, so they get to go free and go about their life and possibly attack someone else. And I'm here to left with the, left with the aftermath of this bull. That's not cool to me. That's not okay. So <laughs> you can stop there. I understand. <laughs> Teresa's. I really wish liars pants would actually catch on fire. <laughs> That'd be an actual hate crime. <laughs> so what do you? I mean, and we all know he's now. We all know he was lying. There were many of us who suspected it at the time and just stayed quiet to see how things turned out. Um, I was one of those people from the beginning who was like, I don't believe this dude, but I'm not going to say anything. Right. Right. And, uh, but now the narrative, the mainstream media admits, you know, this guy was lying. But if you were just watching that and you didn't know anything, I think, what do you think? I think he's a little bit more believable than Amber, but I still think there are tells there. Yeah. So I think when he got, um, emotional, it was way more believable than Amber. Um, the only part of it that I thought was fake is when he went sort of that, that was slightly too much, but the rest of it, yeah. like it was good. It was good acting. Um, but you know who I saw in him just before he started crying, Elizabeth Warren. That's what I saw in him because I don't know if you saw her recent thing with the, um, Roe v. Wade stuff. Um, but I immediately saw that as performative anger. She goes, I am mad and I am angry and I am determined and it's like yeah. this is the fakest woman yeah. in congress like i did not believe a word she says what does this 
what does this old lady really get out of pandering to the youngest demographic? You know, I, I maybe she's considering another run for the president. I don't know. I think a lot of people that want to run for president are going to be egotists. Um, it's just part and parcel. Um, I, I think she's a, a bit of a narcissist. What does this old lady have? Uh, like, why is she pandering to the most extreme and the youngest crowd? you know in politics when she surely knows that these people don't win elections like pandering to that crowd alone doesn't win elections is why biden didn't do it it's why he didn't go full on with the green new deal it's why he didn't promise to wipe out all student loan debt he's not going to pander to these crazy people because he knows it doesn't win elections but for elizabeth warren maybe it's just a matter of well it's a big enough crowd to feed my ego to make me a big name to keep me relevant, yeah. whatever. And this performative rage where she's saying, this is something that Republicans have been working towards for years, calling them extremists and so on. They never once consider the fact that maybe actually their enemies in this don't hate women. Maybe they just care about unborn children. Yeah. Um, and they, But they don't care because it's performative. It's all performative. Yeah. And I saw that in him, it, just like Elizabeth Warren. Yeah. Well, in answer to your question about her, I tend to think she's one of the ones who believes her own lies. That's okay. just me. I think some of them do. I think they 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 get so into um, how can I put this? If you're not living in truth, if you haven't torn everything down to figure out what your foundation is and started there and then built up slowly, if you've done it the opposite way, where you pick an ideology and and then you kind of work backwards or maybe don't even work backwards to see what the foundation is. You just go with what that ideology is and what the beliefs are and what the tenets are. And that ideology defines you rather than your principles that you've thought through. Yeah. If you do that for long enough, like I think she has for decades, I think you just become a character. You just become a role. I think and that's really true. And you, you, you sort of fall into a niche and it, it becomes you, you yes. know, one of the things with me is when I was in uh, the white nationalist circles, when I was like 15, 16, 17, 18, through that process is a lot of the young men I knew went further and further and further right. Some ended up killing themselves. Some ended up becoming terrorists. And I never went that way. And I think the reason why is because even back then, I would always ask myself, am I right about this? Am I right? That's why I've changed over the years, because I have to ask myself. Um, and I, I think you're the kind of person that does that too. I think the people watching this are probably those kinds of people. But there are other people who don't stop and ask themselves, am I right? Because all they do is, well, is what I'm doing now um, profitable? Is it beneficial to me? Uh, is it something that makes me relevant? Is it something I can build a career from? And if that's the case, then you just keep going down that rabbit hole. What yeah. Elizabeth Warren's doing is exactly what the young kids I knew in the far right were doing. They saw something, they saw like as giving them something, and in that case, it was a community, and they just kept going down that path. Mm -hmm. Now, she sees something that makes her headline news and just keeps going down that path. Yeah. Maybe she does believe her own lies. Yeah, I think she does. That's just me. Um let me read. I'm sorry. Pirate's been starring some super chats. I'll read these really. Oh, hey, Joseph Massey. I'm going to talk to Joseph soon. Uh, he's a poet, if you guys don't know it. And <laughs> you can find him on Twitter. He's got a new book out. And uh, anyway, thank you, Joseph. He says, my entire face spontaneously leaks over sad songs in the grocery store. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, inappropriate crying. 
uh, G-Man, nothing says I'm angry like saying you're angry. <laughs> true. You're right. It's like she has to really double down just to make sure people really know. And you know what was funny about that as well? Sorry, I don't, I don't mean no, to interrupt. But like, what was funny about that as well is the journalist even gave her a prompt. She said, I'm angry. And they went, upset and angry? And she went, upset and angry? <laughs> <laughs> Why did the journalist need to give that qualifier? Like, what are they doing? And I'm not going to take it anymore. <laughs> so silly. Okay. We've watched two now clips that I think are, and thank you for coming with me down this rabbit hole of, of fake emotion versus real emotion. It's just, it's fascinating to me. And I think it's instructive and important for people. So we've watched, uh, we've watched two. Now I want to show two that I think are real. And both of these were roundly mocked by the left mocked in the media um they were called they were called performative tears they were called crocodile tears and it, it those those are lies i mean that's my opinion those are lies these are obviously true um displays of emotion and and i we can talk about why and if you agree with me but let's the first one you mentioned let's let's show rittenhouse i once I take that step back, I look over my shoulder and Mr. Rosenbaum, Mr. Rosenbaum was now running from my right side. Um, and I was cornered from in front of me with Mr. Zeminski. And there were There were three people right there. So this is, this one is so real. I can't eat it. You almost can't watch it without it's it making you cry. If you're a person who cries easily. Yeah. It's difficult to watch. It's, what it's so cool. You know, I, I, I have a friend with PTSD uh, from the military and I, I recognized it immediately. Uh, it's, it's, that's PTSD. The, the kid killed a person. Like mm -hmm. uh, uh, he not only killed a person, he killed someone he didn't want to kill. How is that not real? And, and it, 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 you know, it. We're talking about here um, the performative sort of anger and, and 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 tears of people like Elizabeth Warren, and then we've got a kid here whose life was well. It is ruined. It's not even fixed by the fact that he was let go. But you know, his life was ruined, and the the mockery that he got it. it blew my mind I, I i never thought we'd I, i'd see something like that this is a, a kid whose life was turned upside down who killed someone who imagine living with that for the rest of your life yeah. and the mockery and hatred that i saw this guy get it's like i really feel for the kid I, i'm impressed by him actually in the wake of it all that he you know he people make the memes of him crying and stuff and he shares them like i mean good for him that's probably the way you know to to get past it to sort of own it or or whatever but you know he's that kid's strong. He's a strong kid. Strong. And he, there's a couple things. I mean, he, he's trying to hold the tears back 
he's not trying to produce them right like uh amber heard he's he's trying comes, to talk through it and calm yes he's trying he can't talk through it his face gets flushed he's trying to stop and stay focused it's it's not a um there's none of that kind of leading up to it like she's doing with the you know the 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 voice changes to make it sound like you're you're crying and he's not doing any of that. He's not performing it for you. And, and uh, anyway, I agree with you. And I, and people in the chat agree, like it's hard, it's hard to watch that one. It, it, it chokes you up. It's, yeah. it's, it's sad. And okay. The, on a similar note, there was another one I thought of that I thought was very real and that touched me at the time. Uh, and this was Kavanaugh. And when he was being grilled, and accused of all all these things that I don't believe he did. Um, his response, I thought, was perfectly appropriate for someone. If you are being accused of all these things you haven't done, and your character's being assassinated, and your whole family's dealing with your character being assassinated, and and you're being defamed on a public stage simply because you were nominated for this for this job, and he was angry but measured. He wasn't screaming like a lunatic. He was angry, but measured. And then he broke up at this one part when he started talking about his daughter. But I have never done this to her or to anyone. That's not who I am. It is not who I was. I am innocent of this charge. I intend no ill will to Dr. Ford and her family. The other night, Ashley and my daughter, Liza, said their prayers. And little Liza, all of 10 years old, said to Ashley, we should pray for the woman. It's a lot of wisdom from a 10-year-old. You can, we you can stop there. No ill. He... His voice breaks. Um, he's trying to hold it back. He's remembering, reliving his daughter, his little daughter, having this moment of grace yeah. for the people who are putting him through this. That's real. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't doubt for a moment. And, you know, it also hit me that how often do you, have you ever he heard one of these woke activists say that I intend no ill will? To someone yeah. I've never I never heard that from their mouths never and you know it's something I think about a lot is I've never tried to gone even in the worst days of the political stuff I used to do a long time ago I've never sat and gone out of my way and thought how can I ruin this person's life you know I, I don't have any ill will to any even the people who've done terrible things to me or about me um I I, we, I just don't think like that and I think a lot of people yeah. on our side think like that too and when i say our side now it's increasingly not becoming you know it's not left or right and then some people say well it's freedom against tyranny and it's now becoming more like actually it's just decency versus i don't know like a combination of mental illness and and, and genuine evil i i, I like that that's yeah. what it's become that that's why we have people who um have never been considered right wing or something are now being lumped in as conservatives is because like the, this, the right left dichotomy has changed. We, it, yeah. it, I think it's mentally ill, evil people uh, versus decent, sane, nice people. That's all it is now. I agree. I, I think increasingly that, um, well, so, you know, these, these uh, personality disorders, 
used to be called character disorders. I didn't know that. That was something I learned from Slocum. They were called character disorders, meaning they're because they're very different than, than a kind of mental illness that you experience in passing and that maybe lots of different people experience like depression or anxiety at different periods of your life, you might experience depression or anxiety. They're not like that. This is a disorder of your character, of who you are as a person, of what behavior you are willing to engage in or not engage in. And I think a lot of these people live, I know Pete's going to upset some people. I think they make a lot of evil behavior choices. And at a certain point, if you're making that many choices to behave in an evil way, it's like, I don't like saying people are either good or evil, but I'm getting more comfortable with that than I used to be because I'm like, yeah. if you're just living there, if, if you're making lying, um, stealing, uh, taking stories from your victim, taking their manner of dress, mimicking, if you're, if you're doing things like that, like you're living, you're living in evil. I'm sorry. Like, yeah. I don't know. No, I think so too. And it's, you know, we look at the Amber Heard stuff and if there were, if there was no evidence of her sneaking men into Johnny Depp's apartment and, and stuff like that, I wouldn't be casting judgment because it's very hard to say with these things without evidence. And I don't want, you know, I, even before when we were saying it and I said, if it turns out that she did do this, um, like I still find it difficult to just immediately point the finger and say, yeah, it's a hundred percent her. Right. Because I always have in the back of the mind, what if it isn't? What if I'm wrong? And I don't think these other people think like that. But they, you get no benefit of the doubt from radicals. There's no benefit no. of the doubt. No. There's no possibility. You know, there's something I often say about these people is they don't just think that they're right. They don't just think that they're not wrong. They think that there is no possibility that they might be wrong, which mm -hmm. is really scary. You know, like when you talk about... Um, abortion you know i saw one of these lib libs of tiktok things mm -hmm. and she says i just don't understand why people hate women in america so much and i think has that person ever stopped to think whether it's possible like is it yeah possible that yeah. you can be anti-abortion or in favor of just some restrictions with abortion no abortion at seven months you know yeah. is it possible in their minds that someone can think that without hating women like that's the question i would love to ask these people is that possible if they say no i tells you all you need to it know tells you everything unreasonable, yeah but it's clearly unreasonable it's not logical but if they say yes then the question is well if it's possible that someone can oppose abortion without hating women under what circumstances will you believe it yeah that's the exactly. question I need to ask. I need answers to that. And I'd be very interested to know how these people would respond to it. Um, I, I don't the know. Ones who, the ones who say, you're exactly right. The ones who say, yes, it is possible. Those are the ones who maybe at some point could be reached, might wake up. Right. Because there's still a part of them that's based in reason and not just full on fundamentalism and religious fervor, you know, right. and that sort of. Uh, tribalism and that's a great question uh you made me think of this when you're talking about uh <clears throat> make this a little bit bigger let's see this is a, a tweet someone shared with me from a blue check mark uh law i think he's a law professor his name is josh chaffetz and he's talking about 
the there've been all these far left groups that are now showing up at the homes of Supreme Court justices and rioting outside the houses of where these people live. And <laughs> this guy's defending that behavior, uh, Josh Chaffetz, and he says, and before the quote, oh, so you support January 6th, LMAO, trolls show up. The difference is subs substantial. I can never say that word. Substantive. Substantive. How do you say it? <laughs> Wait, substantive. 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 Yeah. Thank you. I like it with your British accent. Well. <laughs> um, he says, when the mob is right, some but not all more aggressive tactics are justified. But when it's not right, when the mob's wrong, then, then those tactics are not justified. This is so insane. This is what I would call evil. So he's basically saying, um, right. So it's justified. Yeah. So he, right. That reminds me of what happened with Madison Cawthorn the other day. Um, do you, did you follow that story? I did not. So he, Madison Cawthorn is that young, um, guy in Congress who's in the wheelchair. I think, I think he's the youngest guy in Congress and a video came out and they've been doing like a, a, a they've been dropping leaks on him for the last few weeks. It's like a coordinated attack sort of thing. And the latest thing they dropped is, it's a weird video, I'll admit. He's naked and he's on a bed and he's sort of like thrusting his groin area on another guy's face. And they're all laughing. Now, I get some people say this is like frat boy behavior and stuff. It's not something I've ever done, but whatever. Maybe it's just frat boy behavior. But also, whatever. Like, what person has, like, again, not something I've ever done. But like, when you're young, you do dumb things. And we're of the generation now where the stuff that we did that was stupid when we were young is on the internet. You know, these boomers and, and, and older who are in Congress, I'm sure they did wild stuff in the 60s, but that's not on social media. And um, Martina, my wife, mentioned something about it online, uh, about it being revenge porn, which it technically is. It's a naked video of a congressman um, that was leaked online. That's revenge porn. It's illegal. Um and somebody came back to her and said, well, you know, he's a member of Congress and he's anti-gay. So this justifies it. And then they started calling him gay. Like he says he's not gay or whatever. I, I don't know what it, it doesn't really matter. Um, but people are saying, oh, so Madison Cawthorn is gay and he's in the closet. Um, but he's been doing anti-gay policies and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, OK, it's justifying, 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 justifying. In any other circumstances, Revenge porn is not legal and it's not justifiable. But because he's a representative, because he's in Congress, because you say, you say that he's pushing anti-gay legislation, then it's justified. Well, yeah. let's break that down. What if he wasn't? What if you're wrong? Like, can you be wrong? And if, if you are wrong, is it justifiable then to leak it? You know, you can make any excuse and say it's justifiable. Like you can't just do that. Say that a politician is pushing anti-gay this and therefore it's okay to expose them as a homosexual or to publish revenge porn. You can make any excuse for anything at that point. Like it doesn't matter whether it's true or not. The, the justifying thing, no, that doesn't work. Like ruining someone's life because you perceive them to do something that you don't like when it's possible that you might be wrong in your assessment in the first place, you know? It's what it's like. It's Nazi behavior. You know, they, they did terrible things and it was all justified. So they said, you know. Yeah, that's you've you've hit the nail on the head because, by the way, Chuck Barbecue is in chat. Thank you, sir. He's the one that shared that tweet with me. Um, I did see you there uh, that you're exactly right, because what they're doing is they're 
They're not allowing for the possibility that the quote other side thinks they're right too. Right. You're ba basically that, that guy that is saying, if you believe you're in the right, if I believe I'm in the right, then anything is justified because right. the ends justify the means. That's not true. That's not principled. So it's, again, so, and it's symptomatic of them. Like I said before, it's not just that they don't think they're not like they're, they're wrong. It's that they don't consider it possible that they're mm -hmm. wrong. Yeah. They think they know what is absolute good and what is absolute truth. And that's them. Well, guess what? So do the people on the other side. Right. Like that's and maybe there's no way merit on both sides. You know, yeah. not everyone knows everything. Not everyone's right about everything. Maybe there's something meritorious from the Democrats, too. I'm the kind of person yeah. that thinks that, by the way. Pe Some people might describe me as a conservative Democrat. Um, in fact, I, I met the state legislature of Tennessee years ago, and I remember meeting, I think it was the only Democrat uh, on uh, on the state Senate or whatever it was at the time. And I got on with him the most out of everyone. You know, sometimes the people you don't agree with are right about something. Like You can't the society doesn't function if you don't think like that and the whole point if if you want to talk about my our democracy our democracy our democracy democracy only works when you have two sides holding each other to account you know yeah. if it, like that and, and that's when it works best it, yeah. it, it's a, it's a check against um uncontrolled power it's a check against bad ideas it's a check against egos that can ruin uh, good policy and ruin a country if left unchecked and it seems like one side doesn't want the other side around. I don't want the Democrats to disappear. I don't want the left to disappear. I want there to be good faith dialogue and debate. That's the only way it functions. Yeah. And it used to function. Okay, it's never been perfect, but it functioned better than this in the past. I care more about, this is why I care more about a person's principles than I do about their political beliefs or opinions or their ideology, because you can be a principled person and show me that with your behavior and also be woke. I mean, you can, yeah. uh, and, and you can be a principled person and show that with your behavior and be on the right and be anti-woke and, and, and the opposite's true too. I know unprincipled liars who speak anti-woke and I know unprincipled hypocritical liars who speak woke. It's just, oh, that's true. You, you know, know it, it doesn't, so, sorry, yeah, it's 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 so true. When you say there's a lot of unprincipled people who speak anti-woke, so true. You know, I was talking to someone the other day and they said, have you seen that thing about how there's so many um, people from conservative politics who are like big names now who came from a talent agency? And I'm like, okay, this there was a talent agency that had these people on the website before they became big in politics. And there's this theory that it's like a conspiracy and maybe they're working for the government and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, 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 it attracts Politics attracts certain people. I forget who it was that said it, but it's like politics is Hollywood for ugly people. It's oh, true. I heard that. <laughs> it's true in many cases. Um, not us, of course. Um, but, you know, <laughs> um, We're not in politics. <laughs> We're there we in. Go. There we go. Um, and I think what it does is it, this attracts certain people. It attracts people who want to be famous. And I see a lot of people on the right who say the right things say things that they know i'm gonna call out a name sorry I, I i know i probably shouldn't but like candace owens i think is a good example of this mm. that's my personal opinion i'm not a big fan because i recognize the narcissism in her and i mm -hmm. see her as someone who will parrot any conservative talking point as long as she thinks conservatives will accept it and i see a lot of people on the right who do this too um so yeah there's 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 a lot of narcissism in politics um I, I'm, 
do you think that those people are necessary? I've, I've actually asked myself this a lot recently because maybe it requires a very high degree of narcissism uh, and a willingness to, to just, I don't know what's the word, pander, what have you. It, maybe it requires that to reach the masses. Do you think that the people who reach the masses are always high in that like drive and that desire for fame and i think i've seen people rise to the top without appearing like a narcissist to me and i'm going to be more vague when i'm talking about this now because i don't want to make enemies of everybody right but, um i've well, seen how, people... like who's who's risen who's risen and, and gained a lot of influence in history any anyone who you don't think was driven by fame like a high degree of fame seeking and narcissism Oh, that's a big question to put me on the spot. I, 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 I'm not sure I can think of one immediately. Like someone with good intentions who wrote, rises to the top. I'm sure there are people, but I think I like, know it's hard for me to think of one. Maybe Dolly Parton. Maybe. I like her. I, yeah, yeah, that's true. She's great. Um, yeah, the, 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 of course, the, there's going to be people, but I think most, most are driven by their ego and narcissism, and actually. You know, for years, I've been in politics for years and I did some of the performative rage and all that sort of stuff when I was younger and in white nationalism. Um, but I've never really come from a place of narcissism. And I know a narcissist would say that, but I'm really shy. I, I, I get I get social anxiety. Um, I've been shy since I was a child. And the only way I've broken through it is by forcing myself. You know, I remember being in school and forcing myself to give speeches to the class when I didn't have to, but I forced myself to do it because I knew that like my anxiety is what holds me back and I just need to overcome that. And so I kind of did that in politics too. Um, and I think there are people who rise to the top without the narcissism, but then they enjoy it so much that they become a little narcissistic. Um, are these people necessary to reach the masses? I mean, probably, but it depends whether they're doing the right thing. I mean, was there any level of narcissism in Margaret Thatcher? Maybe. But I think she did a hell of a lot of good. And I'm saying that from someone who comes from the outskirts of Liverpool, where everyone hates her. Um, you know, I, I think she was a fantastic woman who, who had a good heart. Um, but maybe narcissism can control you. I don't know. Like, I, I've had a really hard time, especially since leaving that element of politics years ago and writing my book and doing the research I do. And I can't sell myself. You know, I, I love coming on these shows and talking to interesting people. I love talking to you, but I'm not the kind of person who often goes and, and just seeks out interviews with millions of people. And I don't know how to do it. I can't market myself. I'm not the kind of person that does that. And as a result, people don't know my work. So maybe it is necessary to have that narcissism for someone who's doing something good to spread it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it comes with the, the on the flip side if they have that great power then they can spread things that purposely divide people and exactly. make that divide last longer. You know, th there's a lot of financial incentive right now for people on the right and on the left to maintain this big divide because there's a lot right. of money in it. Right. Somebody said something interesting. I want to run this by you. AH. Hi, AH. says masses don't need reaching where adults with our own needs and sovereignty. I agree on one level. I do. But on another level, there are people who've changed, helped to change the world for the better, like Martin Luther King Jr. Um, and you might say, well, how much was it him and how much it, of it was the movement? And he just mm. became the face for the movement. I think that's the other question is because 
we like to cling to these different avatars at different times, whether it's it, people who are speaking what we believe is the right thing to be to be spoken, and and whether it's Martin Luther King or Candace Owens or um, I don't know uh, Joe Biden or whoever that that is saying what you want to hear, we we tend to gravitate towards those people. And I, I guess I'm just wondering, are those people throughout history, like Martin Luther King, for example, how much of that is rooted in a, a real desire to be authentic and and do what you think is right? And how and do you get corrupted? Does it become corrupted? And it, do you necessarily become more narcissistic as you go? And I don't know. I I'm just wondering a good about measure that. is probably how rich does a person get from what they're doing? And, or how 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 is their life improved from what they're doing? Because as you know, if if you stand up and do something that is detriment to yourself, um, but you do it anyway, that's probably an indicator that you're not a narcissist. Because mm -hmm. why would you want to live like that? You know, I think maybe that's an indicator we can look at. But also on the idea of do the masses the masses don't need reaching. Well, sometimes they do. Sometimes they do. I know tons of people who have no idea what teachers are ch teaching children now. So if you talk about these these insane things of, you know, telling children to switch their gender or go through puberty blockers or whatever, um, a lot of people don't know about it. A lot of people yeah. don't know about it because a lot of people aren't on Twitter. And it's on Twitter where you see these crazy videos of these teachers. If you're not on there, you don't see it. Can you hear that lawnmower? No. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> um, well, I could talk about this forever this this kind of conversation i don't know it just really interests me about people and personalities and what makes people tick and uh disordered people especially and but i also wanted to hit to some of the other news items and things that you're interested in that that you maybe brought i know you brought a story about putin that i wasn't aware of yeah i was i, I just sent a thing in the chat i was saying maybe ignore the mariupol story it doesn't really fit oh. So well, but you know, basically, just I've been writing a lot about Ukraine lately. And just to, to summarize, it's the Victory Day parade today um, in Russia and in the what? former Soviet states, which is the victory over the Nazi Germany. It's when oh, okay, surrendered, and it's a big national holiday in in Russia. And you know, it's interesting because we've been predicting what Putin's going to do on Victory Day, and for a long time, it looked like what he was trying to do was end the war. He wanted to end the war in Ukraine on May 9th because the intention was to make it look like a second victory over the Nazis, because, of course, Putin's mm. excuse this entire time has been that Ukraine needs to be denazified. And the excuse for that was this Azov Battalion, which is a volunteer infantry in the eastern Donbass region, which has been fighting with Russia for years, is a neo-Nazi sort of infantry. There's like 900 members. Um, like, it's not the entire country, and it's certainly not representative of the country. In fact, there's polls that show that um, Ukraine is one of the most welcoming states um, for Jews in Eastern Europe. Um, so this this stuff from Putin is is nonsense. And it'll just be interesting to see what comes of this uh, Victory Day parade today, because he's got to do something. He's got to find some kind of victory in this. And whether he can't say he won the war, um, mm. he can't say he's really achieved many goals in Ukraine, but I'm expecting he he's probably just going to play the Nazi thing really hard. He's already calling Ukraine Nazi filth, I've heard. Um, so... It'll be interesting to see what happens today. But that that's that's another one of these um, people that it's, it's so manipulative, it's scary. Uh, the, the what's your what's your read on him? Because I you probably know a lot more about him than I do. I got to talk to Constantine Kissin, who shed oh, a lot yeah. of light on Ukraine for me. But uh, and I watched a few of Putin's speeches with translation. And 
I know what my gut said about him, but what do you, what is your take on him? Well, you know, he's, uh, he's KGB through and through. Like ev- you don't know when to believe anything that comes out of this man's mouth. You don't know when to believe anything. Mm-hmm. This idea that Ukraine is Nazi filth. Like I see right through it. Like, and he knows he's lying. Like I, I, it, how much of it is narcissism and how much of it is just symptom uh, like symptomatic of just the fact that this is the remnants of the Soviet Union that are still there and still in power in Russia. And, you know, this is a man who has like the support of like 80 percent of the Russian people, which if the polls are accurate, that is some say they are, some say they're not. Um, how much of it is narcissism? I don't know. It's really just a, a, a corruption and clinging to power, really. And uh, to hell with the consequences. And actually, what's scary about this now is the more that Russia loses, and they're not doing well, they've, they've been pushed out of central Ukraine, they're now in the eastern Donbass region, and they're not making the gains that they wanted. They've take, they've not even taken Mariupol, which is where they're holding the, the Victory Day parade in Ukraine. Um, they've not even taken hold of that yet. Um, they have a lot of work to do, and they're running out of smart missiles. They're back to using dumb bombs, which means that there's no precision guidance. And the manufacturing facilities in Russia can't keep up with demand for rockets. So as Russia is losing and losing and losing and losing. And when you push uh, like one of these narcissistic people into a corner like that, God knows what they're going to do. Like Maybe they'll try and get rid of him with a coup. But like Putin is not going to want to be embarrassed. And that's genuinely scary because their tactical uh, nuclear missiles are on standby. Like that's that's how close we are at this stage. We have a narcissist who's being um, embarrassed on the public stage and he's in control of nuclear weapons. That's terrifying. Yeah. Uh, Therese says, but but Zelensky is awful, too. There are no good guys in any of this. I mean, yeah, I mean, like. I know very little. Maybe, like, I, I, I don't really have a position on, on Zelensky so much, but what Russia is doing is objectively wrong. Um, the, the claims that uh, Ukraine is a Nazi country is wrong. And was the justification in purposely targeting residential buildings and destroying uh, major population centers uh, full of Ukrainian citizens? Now, there's Russian soldiers raping um, Ukrainian women. Um, I, I mean, I mean the, the war crime investigations that are ongoing at the International Criminal Court um, in Ukraine, too. Um, we're going to see a lot of terrible things come out of this. And, yeah, maybe whatever anyone's position on Zelensky might be, um, and there's things people can say about him, like what's happening to the victims, like the people in Ukraine, is 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 heartbreaking, and I just don't see how it's justified. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, was there anything else? Did you want to touch on Elon Musk today, or...? No. I mean, if you want to do another episode, I mean, I don't know how, how long does this go on for? Forever. No, we <laughs> we do. We usually go for another uh, half hour at least. Okay, we well, maybe stop. we can maybe yeah. we can do Elon. I mean, I I just wrote a piece about this that was meant to go out, and um, it was kind of like the way I see it with Elon. Like we were talking before about how it's not a like right versus left thing anymore and it's not even freedom versus auth- like authoritarianism it's just good versus bad but that's how that's how simple it's got now which is how we've got a 2012 liberal who's now considered a conservative white actually they call him a white nationalist they call him a white nationalist now have you seen this? elon yeah. no but i'm not because surprised he didn't speak out against the 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 separate like the uh, apartheid in south africa so he's a white nationalist now which mind-blowing you know this is a man who you know tesla is apparently providing um support to people in texas 
uh, employees who want to get abortions outside of the state because of the um, the heartbeat law, um, which I'm personally in favor of, by the way. I've never really been one way or the other on abortion, but I don't think it's unreasonable to put a limit on, you know, on, on abortion, uh, you know, and maybe a heartbeat is not a bad idea. Maybe that is a good a good sort of line for it. Maybe developing a brainstem is a good line. I don't understand how, sorry, I'm going on a complete tangent here, but what I don't no, understand on this abortion issue is why does nobody consider like something like the heartbeat law as actually a good compromise? Yeah. Because it, like people can still access it. And if you if you monitor your health well enough and you take precautions well, like well enough as a responsible adult should be, if you're having sex, you should be a responsible adult and think about things like this then you can still access that abortion if you want or need to but you have a certain amount of time to do it i mean that sounds like a great compromise to me um but you and know it's I'm, also most most abortions are already performed during that period it's, right it's not like this affects the majority of people it's uh no. there it it's I, I I tend to agree with you i have no problem with the heartbeat bill my my opinions on abortion are continuing to evolve but um, but for anybody who's like, oh, we're uh, this whole thing with Tesla, it, I think all of that is virtue signaling. All these companies are like, oh, for the poor women who have to right. be shuttled across the state lines. It's like it's more gimmick and it's more um, posturing than it is anything else. In my yeah, opinion. I mean, maybe maybe it's gimmick, maybe it's posturing or maybe it's just representative of the fact that Elon Musk isn't a conservative. Like and he's never claimed to be. Right. Um, and. Maybe that's why he's doing, but but also maybe it is also because he's getting so much heat right now that he's doing this. But the fact that we've got a guy like this who's now being considered conservative <sighs> tells us quite a lot about where we've gone. <laughs> you know, isn't it amazing? Like we we see people. I've seen people saying, um, "Why would you want another billionaire to control another big tech company?" It's like <laughs> I don't want another big billionaire controlling <laughs> a massive tech company. But isn't it nice to have one that's sane? <laughs> i'll take it i'll take it but yeah like in the meantime like eventually i'd like to see it all completely decentralized and broken up right i actually agree with elizabeth warren on that one How yeah that? everything anything is better than what has been happening i i actually did a, a thread this morning because i i just was thinking about this a bit since last week or the week before whenever it was that he announced the the acquisition of twitter i saw some threads on my friends my friends facebook walls where there were a lot of lefties um, who were, they were just, they were saying that there's no censorship on Twitter, that there's no censorship in big tech. And if there is that it's, it's very, very, very small. It's, it's, it's not worth even talking about. And I, instead of assuming that they're lying or that they are hiding the truth or denying the truth, I, I started to assume, well, maybe this is really what they believe because when you're in an echo chamber, I used to be in a social justice echo chamber when you're in an echo chamber, it is possible for you not to know about the censorship that's been ramping up the past six years. And it is possible for you not to know anyone who's affected by it. Yeah. And and so I, I was sort of trying to lay that out in a thread because I just thought, like, they don't even like if they know me, I'm someone who's been affected by it with with temporary bans and shadow bans and and um, down throttling posts and having to remove posts um, and and I know people who, you know, multiple people just off the top of my head. I was like, you know, uh, drunk three PO Jay. He was perma banned on Twitter. 
just for showing a clip of Gina Carano that had the sexy saxophone music behind it. And they, and they said that's a copyrighted music. But there's thousands upon thousands of clips of copyrighted music on Twitter. What right. they do, they they all of these big tech companies, they constantly expand the terms of service and make it more vague and more broad so they can selectively apply it these vague and broad rules to the right. people they want to target people like drunk three PO who doesn't even talk about politics that much. He talks about, he's a, he talks about the culture war and entertainment, but right. he's a wrong thinker. So he got permabanned. Um, Hill versus Babyface, as got permabanned. Why he quoted a line sarcastically from game of Thrones. All men must die. That's a quote. It's the name of an episode. They banned him. Yet. If you Google that phrase on Twitter, there's thousands of, of posts search, like that that are still up search twitter for kill all men tell me oh and yeah have a think about how many posts are there and they it, leave it up yeah they leave it up mikey harlow was banned perma banned for sarcastically saying burn the witch in defense of a conservative oh. woman who was being mobbed by the left and he got perma banned like these perma bans that have happened over the past six years they're selectively applying the rules to wrong thinkers and it's it's ubiquitous. It's everywhere. And if you don't, if you're in that echo chamber and you happen, maybe you're hate watching the show. I just encourage you to follow some wrong thinkers just to see what happens. See, cause if you don't know anyone who's been affected by the censorship, like that's, that's because you're in a bubble. It's not because yeah. it's not happening. And uh, there's something I mentioned to you is actually on th this article that I've put on my sub stack here. Um, and it's something I wrote about in my book as well. There's this thing called the perception gap, which is the study that I'm absolutely fascinated by. And the oh, perception okay. gap is this idea that people on one side can't, cannot accurately describe the views of the people on the other side. And it's something that conservatives and leftists do too. And I'm sorry to do this, but I'm just going to read it because I do it, it as I Please read it. it. It's good um, to read it in your voice. Right. It, uh, it says, uh, in 2018, nonprofit group More In Common launched a study called The Perception Gap. A sample of 2,100 voters from both sides of the political aisle were asked after the 2018 midterms what they understood about their political opponents' platforms, and it revealed that the most had exaggerated or inaccurate perceptions of their opponents' beliefs. It showed that Republicans overwhelmingly believed that only half of Democrats were proud to be American, lower than the real 8 in 10 figure. So 8 in 10 Democrats say they're proud to be American, but Republicans predicted it would only be half. Similarly, Democrat respondents said that only half of Republicans believe that racism still exists, but actually eight in 10 Republican voters said that racism still exists. And what's more, nine in 10 Republicans believe that properly controlled immigration could be good for the country, but Democrats only predicted it would be five in 10. So people don't know what the other side is saying. And when you start censoring people on these online platforms where people talk, um, that makes that problem way worse. And what's even scarier is Twitter is actually the worst example of this perception gap because the study also found that um, those that read the news, quote, most of the time had a perception of their political opponent's views that was three times more distorted <laughs> than those who read the news only now and then. Yes. So people on Twitter are plugged into the news all the time they have no idea what their opponents believe. So those figures that I just cited were like five, they, people think it's five in 10 when it's actually eight in 10. That gap is bigger among people on Twitter. 
So it's probably like if you ask Democrats on Twitter how many Republicans uh, percentage wise think that racism exists, you probably get something like 20 percent when really it's 90 percent. It's just fascinating to me. And the, the way they got this data is just by asking people. That's how you find out people's views. Ask them. Don't assume what they believe. Don't like ca- like cast uh, like I like project your idea of what they are into those people. Ask them. If you ask a neo-Nazi if they're a neo-Nazi, the or like ask them their views on Jews, they'll tell you. They'll tell you. Yeah. yeah. You know. Um, and you know, it's just fascinating. There's a figure in here that I, I I didn't include in this article, but I think it's in my book, and it found that um, with every degree somebody gets from university the perception gap becomes bigger i believe that absolutely isn't that incredible work? yes I'm, I'm surprised nobody talks about this because i've been fascinated for, with it for four years and i believe like if you go to the perception gap website you can do a test and mm-hmm. uh, you can like feed into the data and it's always improving but this gap is so huge and what elon is doing is taking a platform where this perception gap is so huge, where the narrative is so skewed, and he's bringing back one side of the argument. That's so necessary to hear from people who are being banned. We need that open discourse. We need to know what people are saying and what people believe, because if you just keep banning and silencing one side, you don't know what people really believe. On the other hand, actually, also you're, you're radicalizing people because you're driving people into online communities. I'll tell you, a lot of people who've been banned on Twitter have become way more radical than they used to be. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. That's And you would know. And that's what's feeding into it. Yeah, they get banned yeah. and then they go underground and they become mm-hmm. because now you've just fed into their confirmation bias that everyone's against them and they must be right. And, you know, they're, they're who who has welcome arms, the places on the web or the dark web where you can go where you won't be banned and that's who they're listening to now it's like you just push people there yeah and by the way i'm i'm as i say i'm not very good at advertising but i know that i should do this if anyone wants to read this stuff i have Please. a stack i don't really i'm not very good at this stuff every now and again i'll write something and not know where to put it so i figured my i might as well get a sub stack it will go on my website jackbotby.co.uk but i don't know how you find find me on Substack. like just google pirate Pirate can find you and put you in the chat. Okay, thank you very and we'll, much. We'll write you I, a I, jingle. I we'll write a jingle for your Substack. Go oh yeah, I love Substack it. And you can just play it. <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't, uh, I don't even know how this works. Like, I, 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 it's like a web page I have or something. I just I Google myself to find my Substack. I Google Jack Buckby Substack. There you are. Find it that way. <laughs> Jackbuckby.substack.com. You okay, there we me. go. There you That's can how find I find stuff. myself. But isn't that um, amazing? Like the yeah, people don't think of the Twitter thing like that. They just see it as um, what is it? The potato from CNN said. He said if I, if, <laughs> I, if I went to a party and there was there were no rules, I wouldn't want to go to that party. And was like, have you ever been eighteen years old? Yeah, because that sounds like a great party to me. Uh, but the, you know the, <laughs> the, the that kind of nonsense. No, it's, it's they try and trivialize it and make it like, oh, you want to say mean things on Twitter and you can't poor you. No, it's way more consequential than that. Way more consequential. It's so important. It's like they we've gotten to a place where people who believe that they're liberals are supporting censorship now. How did that happen? I mean, that was a big wake-up call for me, was seeing some of my friends on the left supporting banning Alex Jones. And I'm like, but you're supposed to be liberal. Like, what are you doing? It doesn't matter if you agree with him or not. Actually, a friend used that same line with me. This was a few years ago when they first deplatformed Alex Jones from everything except Twitter 
And then my friend who's thinks he's a liberal was sharing a petition to get him kicked off Twitter too. He's like, it's the last place he is. Let's get him kicked off Twitter. And I was like, aren't you a liberal? And we started talking about it. And he said, well, if I, if I go to a party, I don't want Alex Jones to be there. And it's like, okay, but Twitter, you don't have to follow Alex Jones. He doesn't have to be at your party. Right. You can be on Twitter without ever interacting with him. Right. You know, it's, it, it, just that mentality and the, and then to be so in the dark about what you are and what your beliefs are and to actually believe you're a liberal when you support a liberal things, it, it blows my well, mind. This is something I call the whack-a-mole approach. It's mm -hmm. they, they're so righteous in what they believe. They think that everyone other than them is an extremist, which is a whole different conversation of itself. Cause you know, there's so many people who pitch themselves as moderates now who are genuinely extreme and I don't know why conservatives are so f afraid of using this word extremist because mm -hmm. it's what they are and we need to be using that language and talking about it. Um, but this whack-a-mole approach that these extremists have in uh, getting rid of the people that they think are extremists, and some of them are, by the way, um, you know, there are some people who've been banned from Twitter who are extremists. Mm -hmm. um, but this whack-a-mole approach of going, oh, look, there's one, bang, let's get that one. There's another one, bang, let's get that. What's that doing? Is that making yeah. them go away? No. Is that yeah. making their audiences go away? Not really, because they just find other avenues. And then it becomes deeper underground and harder to monitor. And if they're an actual extremist, do you want to monitor them or not? I would want to monitor them. I want to know what they're up to. But no, you're driving them into underground, uh, dark online communities. And also, never once thinking about why do these people exist, you know, like Elizabeth Warren or whatever, anyone, AOC, one of these progressive Democrats, and they complain about the far right or white supremacists or whatever. Have they ever once, once publicly said anything about what issues might drive those people there in the first place? Have they ever done that? Because if they haven't, then we know that they're not serious about tackling the problem. Like, we know it's really just politics. Like, because what do they want them to do? Do they just want those extremists that they don't like to die? I don't want AOC to die. I don't want Elizabeth Warren to die. I, I, I want con constructive dialogue. I yeah. want to know what they really believe and if it's possible to maybe find compromise with them in good faith. But these yeah. people just want these people to disappear and die. I, I the, You know, let me tell you, I, I, I think they want, with this whack-a-mole approach, I think it tells me that they want us dead. And it, it sounds like an exaggeration, but like you've just got to play out what that means. Like if you get cancelled at some um, some job because you say something they don't like, well, you lose your job. Okay. If you then end up working at a Starbucks, do you think they'd be happy with that? Because these are the people that will call up Starbucks and say, you know, that a neo-Nazi works for you. Yeah. So you lose your job at Starbucks. And then, okay, then you're on benefits. You're at home. You're on Job Seekers Allowance or whatever it's called in America. Um what is it called in America? Where you unemployment. Get unemployment. Um, so you're on unemployment. And imagine if these psychos uh, are in power. Well, they are in power right now. But imagine these psychos in power. Do you think that people like AOC, Elizabeth Warren, and the really, really far left followers would be happy for an evil neo-Nazi to claim government funds? Because that's mm -hmm. government funds funding a neo-Nazi. I can't see them being happy with that. So then you're on the street and you've got no money. If they walk past you, would they throw a pound? Would they throw a dollar? give you a dollar? No, they wouldn't. There is nothing in their mindset that would even allow for just the existence of people that disagree. No. And that's what well, the whole approach represents to me. Is Well, this is also... Okay. They, want you dead. Sorry. they want you dead. No, you're right. They do want you dead. Um, I, 
I, it's not that doesn't sound like hyperbole to me because they also sometimes say exactly what it is they want. They feel so emboldened and comfortable out in the open in a way that extremists on the right don't feel because they enjoy the privilege of not being banned of this selective application of the rules. Um, I just sent you a tweet pirate in the um, telegram. This is something, this is a journalist on Twitter, Caroline Riley, blue check mark, of course. And she was responding to a New York times article that says the headquarters of an anti-abortion group in Madison, Wisconsin was set on fire Sunday morning and an act of vandalism that included the attempted use of a Molotov cocktail and graffiti that read, if abortions aren't safe, then you aren't either. So she retweeted that, and she said, this journalist said, more of this made these people never know a moment of peace or safety until they rot in the ground. Do you think this is, has this been removed from Twitter yet? I don't think it's been removed. She made her account private so nobody could respond to her. And then she took her account down temporarily. You can tell because if you've been banned, it says this account has been suspended. If you take it down yourself for a while and then come back, it says there's something wrong here. Right. So if you go to her right now, it says there's something wrong here. But that this is the kind of thing I see stuff like this all the time that the left is able to. This is this is speech that is encouraging violence and it's allowed and 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 so sometimes they take the mask off and they tell you they want you dead she says until they rot in the ground um not ashamed of saying that you know it's not it's, something it's not something yeah it's it's not something new I've, I've heard it many times myself you know they say it and their actions prove it and i don't like hyperbole i don't want to exaggerate for political gains or i mean what am i gaining from this honestly mm -hmm. like it's not like i make money in politics um it's true. Like the, the the hatred there is is so real, and uh, I just you know, they talk so much about coexisting. But I mean, you know, it's interesting. For years, I used to look at the Republicans in America from England and hear them calling everything communism, and I would roll my eyes at it because, Me too. like, my God, not everything is communism. Like, I I come from a country with socialized healthcare. Saved my life twice. I can't. I can't complain about it. I can say that it's not very well run. I can say that it's a, a, like there's too many people accessing it who haven't paid into the system and so on. But the actual system of socialized healthcare, personally, saved my life twice. Works in England, and most people like it. So whatever. We're not a communist country. And when you would see Republicans say, "Oh, it's communism. It's communism. It's communism," I like rolled my eyes. But now, when I see Republicans talking about it, it's like, well, actually. This is kind of the end goal at this point, because if they it want is. us all dead, if they don't want us to coexist at all, you know, I want to coexist with Democrats and, and or left wingers or whatever. And I want to coexist peacefully and to the extent that I can meet someone new and not be afraid. Like, I, I don't care what someone believes when I meet new people now. I'm afraid of how what they're going to be like whether they're going to think that I'm a Nazi or something, you know, whether they're going to viscerally hate me. And that's not healthy. That's not normal. We shouldn't be living like this. But when Republican senators now say that this communism, it is because what's the end goal of not wanting to coexist with people you disagree with? It's an authoritarian mm -hmm. state. Yeah, we, we're in a time right now, you're talking about being afraid when you meet new people. I was joking with my friend, uh, uh, Mystery Chris, he does the Wednesday show with me uh, this weekend because uh, one of my one of my gig jobs, I interact with a lot of people in this job, and I spend like a whole day with them. And 
it's funny because I, I, not always, but sometimes I can find out if they're anti-woke or woke or not just by little things they say. And it's almost like dancing around each other in conversation, almost the way that gay people probably did in the fifties where you say something to right. see maybe that person responds to the secret right. thing you're saying. And, and it's that kind of funny, like just, and then when the air gets let out of the balloon, if you find, if they find out that you're not woke and they're not woke, and then it's just this absolute freedom afterwards. Yeah. And I kind of love it. it. I mean, I don't like that we have to censor ourselves, but I kind of yeah. love like, letting the air out of that balloon a little bit and seeing what happens. And um, I, do, I do it with cab yeah. drivers. All the, every cab yeah. driver I get, I always just test the waters and see like where we get. And once they start showing signs that they're not, I'll, I'll shut up. But I have to say most of the time they're, they're on our side and I'm getting cabs in New York city. So it's, it's, it's interesting. Like the amount of people that are normal. Oh, okay. So my laptop's about to die. That warning I got earlier is coming true. Okay. batteries okay so we got to wrap up i'm sorry let's see the super chats real fast <laughs> cheeky mayor i hope i'm not turning into a narcissist i have decided for run for city council lady that is awesome do it no you're exactly the kind of person who needs to run because you don't want to do it uh mandy mandy hello lady she says do you give your guests a pre-show disclaimer that you're a russian bot and they must endure uh welcome you've got mail no and i i don't because i'm not a russian bot i don't even speak a word of russian <laughs> um okay guys we're gonna roll out of here quickly because my computer's about to go off so jack thank you so much for hanging out today i'm sorry for the thank abrupt you. ending it's, it's it's fine with me and uh thanks so much and thanks everyone for watching <laughs> cool okay <laughs>